0: Well, turn your Bibles. Let's see. How about Psalm 102? Let's start there, Psalm 102. I've been doing a series the last few weeks called God Is. And each week we're filling in the blank what the Bible has to say about different attributes of God. Last week we started a little two-part message entitled God is the Creator. God is the Creator. It begins in Genesis 1:1. The Scripture says the first verses of the Bible say these words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Can you say that with me? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God was preexistent before the universe. There was nothing here, and God literally spoke it into existence, and it was. Now, that's true or it's false. It's true or it's false. It, 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 the Big Bang and evolution is true or false, but both of these cannot be true. Uh, we're going to explore it further. I'm gonna, let me just review a bit. The Bible though, very clear. God is the creator of the universe and all that is within it. Psalms 102, in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. Colossians 1:17, the New Testament, the Amplified Translation, Jesus existed before all things When he was, quote, born as the baby in a manger, his life didn't begin. He was the pre-existent, pre-incarnate Christ, but he took on the form of a human body. Colossians 1.17, And in him, in Christ, all things consist, they cohere, or are held together. In other words, the reason this planet and this universe is still working is because of Jesus. The reason the planet, the earth, doesn't get closer to the sun and burn up is because of Jesus. Jesus. The reason the earth doesn't move away, drift away from the sun and freeze is because of what holds the atoms together. The protons, the neutrons around the nucleus is Come on now, there's a force out there that science are trying to explain exactly what it is. Jesus. Is behind this. The reason the grass keeps growing and the cattle are cattle are being fed is because of Jesus, my friends. The reason that, as we say, the sun comes up in the morning and sets in the evening is because of Jesus. The reason that the laws of gravity, the law of gravity continues to work, that you can have confidence when you're flying on an airplane, that aerodynamics have certainly suddenly not stopped, stopped working, it's because Jesus. Holds all things together. He is the unexplained force. The psalmist says, 136, he gives food to every living thing. And all the people like to eat Mexican food said, he gives food to every living thing. Psalm 33, when he spoke, the world began, it appeared at his command. Now, as we said last week, humanists and atheists don't believe in God the Creator and hence there's a graphic that we looked at that I will suggest to you is foundational in our worldview the starting place for every person either is I believe God exists or I believe He doesn't the atheists don't believe in God so as we'll see today through evolution they have a different uh, explanation for how the earth got here last week we talked about the beginnings of the universe we talked about the big bang the God particle uh, is it possible what's, uh, what's going on um, but human atheists, they don't believe. Now, we talked about the basis of truth and the basis of right and wrong. Our world today tells us that there's no such thing as truth. Professors will laugh at you if you talk about absolute truth. The Bible's very clear that it is. But the question is the starting point. The starting point of truth, the starting point of what's right, it either begins with God. As about a 1,000 years after the resurrection, that's the way the world was pretty much governed and run, accepted as the Bible was true. Always been people that believed it was not true. But by and large, till, uh, till about A.D. 1,000 or so, 1,100, the world was under this umbrella, as it were, of, 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 of a culture geared in the Bible. But things began to change. Uh, as you recall, we're talking about the source of truth, the source of right and wrong, and there's two sources, divine revelation or man's reason. And if you start with the round, wrong foundation, sooner or later you will end up with the wrong conclusion. Let me say it again. I don't care if you have multiple PhDs from MIT. If you start with the wrong foundation, you will end up with the wrong conclusion. For example, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, 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 of need, human needs. He was a psychologist, but he was a humanist. His pyramid started with no God, was the presumption. But as you look at his pyramid, it makes a lot of sense about our basic needs. But in nowhere on his pyramid did he say we have a need of forgiveness. In no way on his pyramid did it say we have a need for salvation. Well, he's clearly on the no-God side. So uh, this started, this idea that there's two sources of truth, divine revelation or reason. It came through the theologian Thomas Aquinas. He's a tremendous Catholic man. He set order in the world. He brought a great stability in the world through the Bible. He was a great man, but he made a mistake because he yielded to the pressures that truth could come from two sources. Truth could either come from the was revelation or human reason. And when he said truth could come from human reason, secular universities took off based on that. And as secular universities built their systems of knowledge without the Bible, and this no-God thinking took hold, Darwin was able to give us evolution to replace the Creator. Sigmund Freud gave us the ego, id, and superego because he did not want the God side of soul, spirit, and conscience. As we go on, Karl Marx gave us government to take the role of God. Government, where do you think the notion that government should take care of everything comes from? My friend, government has taken the role of God. Government doesn't ask the Lord, give us this day daily bread. If you qualify and if you're in need, give me this day my ration of my food stamp, my place to live. Come on, cradle to the grave care. And that's what the last election, remember there was was a commercial. Forget the young lady's name. But it it, it was a commercial showing how the government wanted to care from her from the beginning of her life. If her mother chose an abortion, we'll take care of that too. All the way to the end of the life care. You don't need a man. You don't need a family. You don't need anybody. We'll do it. Where did that notion come from? It came from Karl Marx because it replaces the role of God. Jeremy Bentham legitimized homosexuality. that had been around certainly for, for centuries, but he legitimized it. It was embraced and started the moral collapse. The poets, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Walt Whitman, wrote beautiful poems, but they also wrote poems to inflame sexual passion. John Dewey comes along and he began the movement to remove God from public education. One thing these men all have in common is they're all apostates. They all started out on the God side, but something influenced them. Most of them were influenced through the secular university, and they ended up on the no-God side. And as we look at the America that they've produced, It doesn't matter that modern education graduates kids that can't read. It doesn't matter that modern education will promote a child that doesn't know the subject matter because we care about their self-esteem. It doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to matter that a hundred million of us Americans have sexually transmitted disease. And everywhere you look, every TV show, songs everywhere, it's pushing more and more and more. Um, It it doesn't seem to matter that uh, the government can't do everything. But as long as it promises, that's where our hope should be. I mean, just look at Ebola. My, my, my. A disease that could wipe out a civilization. And it just seems like all we're supposed to do is hope on, hold on to a promise. I mean, listen now. Our president one day said you can't catch it by somebody sitting on the bus. And the next day or later that afternoon, the head of the CDC says, if you, have, uh, if you believe you're infected, uh, don't sit next to people because you could infect them. Now, come on now. What do I do? I have a doctor that comes back from, a, from a, a Ebola land in West Africa that was there helping people and uh, no restrictions on him, pretty much, take your own temperature, monitor yourself. So he goes bowling, he goes in the subway, a few other things, and oops, my temperature's up, uh, I may have Ebola. I mean, we live in a world today where we just are crossing our fingers and hoping that something's going to happen. But it's almost as if none of this stuff matters. And you say, why does the insanity continue? I'll tell you exactly why. It's because the people on the no-God side don't want to acknowledge the Creator because if they acknowledge the Creator, they'll be forced to bow their knee to His rules. And that's what the world does not want. And if they can't give you an intelligent argument to talk you out of your God position, they'll just call you a flat earther and call you stupid. But the real issue is they don't want to bow. But I got news for you, friend. The Creator, the all-powerful God, says one day before Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, with that background, and I appreciate the teenagers uh, being with me today. You'll be back in your D groups next week. But I wanted you to hear about evolution something that you'll never hear in your public classrooms. I want college students to hear this today. Uh, first, I want to talk to you a little bit more about the Bible says that God created human beings in His image with eternal purpose. It was the sixth day of creation, Genesis 1.27. God shaped the dust from the ground, and He formed Adam, and He breathed into His nostrils the breath of life, Spirit. Scripture says God created man in His own image. We'll talk about that. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And look, there's almost an attempt, there is an attempt today to erase any gender differences. But God created us different as men and women, occupying different roles in marriage and even in society. Job 7 asked this question Why do you make people so important? Why do you give so much attention to them? Why are you concerned with feeding them and listening to their prayers and trying to restore relationship with them when Adam and Eve destroyed relationship in the garden? Why Why do you care for them? The psalmist, mind you now, hundreds of years after the writings of Job. The Bible is compiled in one book but written over several thousand years with one message. Psalm 8 says, I, the psalmist, I see the moon and the stars which you created, but why are people even important to you why do you take care of human beings you made them a little lower than the angels and you crown them with glory and honor and listen to this you put them in charge of everything you made I'll tell you my friend people are more important than spotted owls people are more important than, than listen we want to do everything we can to preserve and care for the planet but don't let the creation become more important come on than the created don't let the creation become more important than human beings, which the world has done, because they have a no-God viewpoint. Let me show you a quick video about, called The God of Wonders, and it's about human DNA. And as you listen to this, I want you to think about the best of science built on no-God wants to tell you that this is accidental and it's random. Take a peek and then we'll keep going.
1: If simple water molecules that form ice crystals exhibit magnificent structure, consider the design ingenuity behind large, complex molecules, such as DNA. DNA contains the blueprint for all life and is by far the densest information storage mechanism known in the universe. For example, the amount of information contained in a pinhead volume of DNA would fill a stack of books 500 times higher than from here to the moon. The program code and design of such an incredible system indicates a supremely intelligent designer. Yet even the DNA molecule is simple compared to cells. All life consists of cells and each cell functions as a miniature city. When we consider that a human body consists of trillions of cells working together as one unit we should be in humble awe of our Creator's intimate care and perfect
0: wisdom. The evidence to me that just cries out that there's a God is the study of DNA. DNA is a very powerful, massive information storage system. In fact, DNA that makes up our genes actually is like books of information that's read by a language system. It's absolutely phenomenal. And scientists know today that language as a code only come from an intelligence and information only comes from information. Nobody's ever seen matter by itself give rise to a code. Nobody's ever seen matter by itself give rise to information. And as you look at DNA it actually cries out in the beginning, God created the universe. A pinhead, if, the, if, if, if enough DNA fill that pinhead were compressed in that you could fill a stack of books from here to the moon 500 times. And we're expected to believe that that is accidental, arbitrary, and random. I suggest to you, friend, when you see design, it is because there is a designer. And that designer is the Lord our God. Atheist Richard Dawkins said, Faith is the great cop-out. It is the great excuse to evade our need to think and evaluate evidence. I would say to Mr. Dawkins, it takes more faith to believe that nothing created everything than everything that we see was, has the imprint of a divine creator. Don't be fooled. The evolutionist has more faith than you and I do. We'll talk about that more in a moment. You ever heard of Pascal's wager? Pascal was a Blaise Pascal. He was a, a, a French philosopher and mathematician, probability theory. He said humans bet with their lives, their eternal soul, that either God exists or He doesn't. Given the possibility that God actually does exist and heaven and hell are real, a rational person should live as though God exists and seek to believe in God. Now, let's keep going here. If there is no God, where did human beings come from? If there is no God, where did human beings come from? Now, I went to the God of Google and typed in that phrase, where did human beings come from? Guess what was the first response? They Who's guess. Monkeys. Monkeys, what else? Apes. Apes. Come on, a little more creativity. Goo. Goo. Okay, here's where the God of Google said, first response, where did human beings come from? We were imported from another planet. About four references on the first page. I'll show you some pictures from the Smithsonian. Smithsonian, of course, will teach us about evolution. The bottom here, this single-cell organism, it's responsible for all of it. Now, don't ask your teacher, don't ask your professor where that cell came from. They'll go back a little bit, perhaps, but at some point they're going to tell you to shut up or they'll demean you and call you a flat earther because they don't have an answer to where that cell came from because the no God doesn't know. And they say it happened billions of years ago and nobody can observe it and they're waging their eternal soul. But they want us to believe from this one cell, if you go up on the right branch, there's a catfish and there's a frog. And from the frog we leaf up and there's a horse, but there's no froggy horses there's no horses living in water come on. and then we go from the horse to the monkey and there's nothing in between them and then there's a man it's like species to species to species but nothing in between and that's where the problem of evolution lies we're going to talk more about that uh... let me show you some more of my pictures here now this one was in uh, it's in all textbooks there Well, not all of them, but you see the monkey there with the tail, and all of a sudden, you know, I know people that walk like this. (laughs) And I know people that are taller that walk like that. Well, anyway, you're walking up, there's man and there's woman, and uh, no more questions, it's over. Um, So that's, on a serious note, though, you take that picture and you amplify it, you drop the comedy out of it, and you put a lot of scientific references in things and that's what's taught in classrooms i took some pictures of my relatives in the smithsonian 300,000 square foot <laughs> museum of natural history i didn't go to every every exhibit but i didn't see any mention of god but as i was watching a movie about how i came from this piece of this uh, this uh, amoeba and Ponscom, i saw my relative and we got a selfie together so <laughs> we we're immortalized there were some more pictures just a long hallway. I, I looked at this and I couldn't tell. Maybe you can help. The big guy on the back—I couldn't tell if that was Pastor Mike's descendants or if it was <laughs> Pastor Nick's. Uh, Sharon, perhaps on the bottom. I'm not sure. Maybe Delana. But but keep going here. Here's the thoughtful one, uh, Joe. That's you, Joe Cruz. Which that's that that's Joe. That's the thoughtful relative. He looks like he came from the planet of the apes. I think that's where they got. I think that's where they got the idea for that. Any more of my friends up there? Yeah, okay, these are my, these, this is my Italian uh, uh, relatives on my wife's side of the family. They're behind me, there. they're quite angry, they're in a cage. Uh, anyway, it was a, quite an educational experience. Now, all this comes from the no-God built by extremely educated people. But don't forget what I said. If you start with the wrong foundation, you'll end up with a wrong conclusion you'll have a lot of facts along the way that are true but when maslow eliminates the need to forgiveness and he eliminates the need for salvation and puts man his self actualization at the top of the pyramid he's missed something now the no god charles darwin he wrote on the origin of species about evolution and it gave people the the some degree of intellectual ability to shift from God to know God because he offered some answers about evolution. Here's what he said. He said man and animals randomly evolve from lower life forms over long periods of time. Remember the chart where it started out with the amoeba and then went up to the reptile? So give us enough time and and, and there's going to be changing uh, species right on up the ladder there. Uh, as long as there is enough time, the problem, though, is there's no fossil record. Zero. Search it for yourself. Billions of fossils we've found, but you don't find. You find cats and dogs. You don't find dats and cogs. I mean, you don't find these transitional species. If evolution has been happening for millions, hundreds of millions, or billions of years, doesn't it just make sense? That There would just be transitional fossils everywhere, but they can't find one. Listen now. They cannot find one. You don't have examples of species becoming other species. They'll point to a rabbit in the Arctic, and the rabbit in the summertime has brown fur, and in the, 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 the wintertime he has white fur. Oh, there's a He's evolved. No, it's still a rabbit. That's microevolution, in other words, evolution within the species. Bacteria may evolve, but they're still bacteria. You know, birds, when they change the color of their skin, they it, they're, they're still birds. Um, I'll give you another picture here. Darwin proved his theory. Supposedly, went to the Galapagos Islands. You remember, he found the different finches, and he noticed on the different islands that the finches had different types of beaks, and he said different islands had different food sources. And because of the different food sources, the beaks evolved. Therefore, evolution. Well, duh, Daddy, there's still birds. But it added some fact to the no God. See, here's, here's the beginning. If I'm a scientist, my, the beginning place of, first of all, nobody's without bias. If, if, as a scientist, my beginning place is God, and Hebrews says, by faith we believe that the universe was created from the, by the Word of God. Then when I go out to the islands of Galapagos or anywhere else, I go to those same islands, I see the same birds, but I say, isn't it amazing how God gave a bir- one bird a beak to be able to get you know, little bugs out of the, out of the volcanic rock uh, and it's amazing how God gave another bird another beak to be able to dig around in the dirt. And another bird had a pointy beak. But the other guy that doesn't believe in God says, No, 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 this is proof to our theory. Preaching better than your are here. Here's another big deal. No one has ever seen evolution happen. Now they tell us it takes millions or billions of years... But don't you think in this whole process there should be something that we could observe today? Okay, now I've got two pictures, and I don't want you to share them outside of this room because this may, this may, may, may ruin my whole sermon. I did find a picture of a species. species. <laughs> don't tell anybody. It's an alloduc. <laughs> and there's one more that you have seen in the evolutionary trail of man. The pot-bellied man, too many sodas and too many beers, turns into a pot-bellied pig. But other than that, we hadn't seen any change from species to species. Now, brilliant people call you flat earthers every day. But do you know that the best science in the world for a thousand years believed the earth was flat? Anthropology professor and evolutionist, Jeffrey Schwartz, I believe the University of Pennsylvania, he said, with the exception maybe of a fruit fly, now listen to this, a professor who believes in evolution, the formation of a new species by any mechanism has never been observed. The formation of a new species, the basis of Darwin's theory based on no God, we don't have any evidence, no fossil evidence, and no physical evidence, but they still have faith that it's true. It takes faith to believe in evolution. Here's why. The scientific method demands observation of events and experiments to either replicate or verify the theory. Because evolutionists say species evolved over millions or billions of years, we can't observe it and we can't reproduce it. They have a problem, but theirs is much of a faith belief as ours is. The missing link, you hear it, it comes up every once in a while, where they have finally found the missing link between the monkey and the man. This was a huge deal. If you've ever heard of something called Piltdown Man, a long time ago, 1912, digging in a gravel pit, they found a jawbone and a piece of a skull. Now, here's an amazing thing. These pictures in the Smithsonian and in your textbooks, they were generated from a couple bones in many cases. So they believed, and best science of their day said, it's a million years old. And science for 30 or 40 years believed that this was the missing link until research in 1953 found out that it was a bone of an orangutan and a part of a human skull. And it was a huge hoax that deceived people in the world of science for 40 years. And every science teacher that was from the no God perspective used it as proof. But in an amazing, only one little picture formed out of two little bones, and it takes the faith away from the God crowd. I'm preaching way better than you're many. Now listen, human beings are different from any other created thing. Now genetically, I believe this, we are 60% similar to a banana tree, 75% similar to a chicken, 85% similar to a mouse. And the Smithsonian says that you and I are 99.8% similar to a chimp. National Geographic said 96%. But whatever it is, whether it's 4% or 0.2%, we are different. We are different. And what the no-God guy says is, well, that's proof because we're so genetically close, you know, that there is no God. But the God guy would say, it just proves the same designer made it. And he started out good, and he just kept doing it, and he kept improving it. Your starting, concu- your beginning foundation. God, know God will determine your conclusions whether they're right or wrong. Now, you can pick up some more information about this if you're interested. It's called the Institute of Creation Research. Google it, ICR. Answers in Genesis, another great group. And uh, Joe Cruz teaches a class that deals with a lot of these subjects in a far more intelligent way than I could. Joe, wave at everybody. Nine thirty on Sunday mornings. They're dealing with all sorts of stuff. Now, let me let me kind of head to the end. If God is the creator how should it affect the way i live now we look at ourselves and we're not god we look in the mirror we're getting older every day we, some of us have lost our job because we lost a physical or an emotional capability required to do our jobs i mean we're just you know we're one day every closer to our death and at some point we realize we're not god so so how should the creator affect the way i live first and foremost this was last week I said, live with humble dependence on God. Uh, Acts 17 says, it's in Him, in Christ we live. Come on, say it. And move. And we have our being. Which means everything I have, everything I can do, the air I breathe, the beating of my heart. Come on. Everything I'm able to do, everything I possess, is all because of God. Now, let me give you two more this week. If God is the Creator, then it just makes sense that I should treat God with the honor and respect He deserves. Let me say it again. If God is the creator, I should treat God with the honor and respect that he deserves. Let me give you an example of honor and respect. When I was a boy, I was raised, uh, I was raised in northern Mississippi. Um, anything a foot taller than me was a yes sir or yes ma'am. Uh, it, there was just respect. I, I was taught to open the door for, for a person, for people, anybody, particularly ladies, to show courtesy. I do that to this day. Uh, I I was taught particularly to honor elderly people, to hold the door for them, to prefer them, to give them the plate before me. That was hard for a teenage boy. But I did that because I was taught it's proper to honor age. In our culture, you throw away old people. You just get rid of them. But I was taught to honor age. If there was ever a policeman on scene, if I would have called him a pig, I'd have been slapped. I was taught to treat that man with honor because of the office that he, was, that he occupied. If there was someone of esteem that came into the room, it could be a political leader, it could be a spiritual leader, I was taught to stand on my feet. When I entered the Navy and an officer came in the room, I was taught to salute. All that is honor and respect. It's missing in our culture today. But let me read a passage to you. It's from Malachi. Malachi says, A son honors his father and a slave his master. Here's what God says. If I am a father... Where is the honor due me? If I'm a master, where is the respect due me? Give me an extra three four minutes this morning. This was written because priests were giving God second best in terms of what they were doing in, in, in the worship experience. So let's maybe find an application to honestly ask ourselves, do I give God the honor and respect that He's due? You say, how do I do that? Well... How about obeying His commandments? How about living by the Scripture to please Him because it makes me happy? Uh, My wife wants this mirror put up in my room, and and I'm not the best mirror putter upper because, you know, the screws may not be in just the right place. But you know what? I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it not because she's commanded me or demanded me to do it, but I'm going to do it because she asked me to do it and because I love her and because I care about her. I'm going to do those things that she asked me to do. Um, how, 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 do you ever kneel or bow when you pray? The book of Revelation is just almost filled with kneeling and bowing. John the Revelator, when he saw Jesus, now mind you, he walked the planet with Jesus for three years, but when he sees Jesus in his glory, he falls down. It's like he's dead. The four and twenty elders fall on their faces. And I don't, certainly don't mean it as a public display for people to see, but, but in your personal worship or your private worship at home, do you ever bow or or kneel before God? When you say your prayer at lunchtime, or do you say a prayer, or are you afraid to let other people see you pray? Sometimes, and I struggle with this, the fear of man may be greater than my desire to respect and honor God. If people see me bow my head, to honor God, that's what you're doing. You're honoring God. Well, people laugh at me. Well, here's what I'd say to you. Come on, God. Get tough there. You win them to Jesus. You, know, you win them to Jesus so they'll honor God with you. Uh, using God's name in vain. Now, I doubt you say GD very much, but, but you ever heard anybody, or perhaps you've said, maybe you, 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 you're bringing dinner to the table and you drop it, ah, oh, Jesus, Jesus. Well, that's certainly not worship using God's name in vain. How about this one? What do we do on Sunday? When we come to church we worship God. Uh, we have some announcements, receive offering, uh, uh, we pray for each other, we learn the Bible. But that first part of the service, the worship of God, is not for anybody else, it's for Him. And is it possible that the way I approach worship, in other words, getting here on time, being there for the first song to give Him praise? Is it possible that sometimes that I would, would maybe finish my grocery list during worship or text somebody if they'd like to go to lunch? I, I've seen people finger-cutting their fingernails in a church service. I'm just telling you, this is God's house. Now, it's a church building, but, but it's, it's God's house and, and respect and honor. I've seen rows after church that looked like the basketball gym with stuff left, all, uh, uh, paper and everything else. Well, there's somebody that's going to clean it up, but this is God's house. And without being legalistic and making rules and putting them on the wall and everybody ignore what's on the wall, is it just possible that, that, that these are ways to, to honor and respect God? I, I think so. How about what we do with the resources, the money he puts in our hand? Do I give God my first and best? Or do I give Him what's extra? Uh, several months now, I've wanted to finish some landscaping in my yard. I wanted to run some rocks and put a little more grass there to kind of finish it off. Only problem, though, I didn't have the money to do it, and I had this thought in my mind. Well, if I didn't tithe the month, I could do that. Nobody would know, but not only had I not honored God, I would dishonor God because I knew better. So I'm not trying to spank you now, but what I am trying to do to say today is honor and respect Or do our Creator? Come on, give him a big hand today. Let let me let me touch this one. Probably the most important. Um, We I need to relate to my Creator. I need to seek to know Him and find His plan for my life. If there is a Creator, I need to seek to know Him and find His plan for my life. Psalm one thirty nine. It's a wonderful scripture. It says, "You saw." My fetal material before I was born. Is that what it says? You saw me. But listen to this. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. So doesn't it make sense if I want to find happiness and purpose in life that I just need to start living out the pages of that book that's been written about me? Doesn't it make sense that God's first and best for me would be better than anything else I could come up with? That if I will choose God's plan, you say, well, Pastor, how do I do that? It's not complicated. Is if you will just start living your life by surrendering to God. If you will just simply begin every day and say, Lord, thanks for letting me wake up. Thanks for hot water. But I just want to give you my life today. I I want to be the person you want me to be. Lord, you're the potter and I'm the clay. And I just want you to make my life into what you want it to be. It's not complicated. It's an attitude of our heart because how many know Christianity is not first rules. Christianity is first relationship with God. And if you will have that attitude of giving Him your life, He'll make it into something really cool. And the second point, and I'll close with this, uh, we're talking about knowing Him and finding His place. It's follow His instruction manual. Second Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is inspired by God, It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. So the reason the no-God crowd doesn't want this book they want it out of society. They don't want it in culture. They, you watch them. They, uh, less and less, they're laying their hands on the Bible. You're going to court. It's not so help me God. It's just that I swear we don't want this. But if you will live by this book, you will come pretty close to finding the way, the pathway that God wants for you. I'm telling you, your marriage will be better. You'll be a better parent. You'll be a better dad. You'll be a better son. Uh, you'll be a better student because, listen, God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our pathway. And if I want to find the pathway He's got for me, come on if I'll just give a little time to the book everything else will make sense, come on give the Lord a good hand today I'm about done I'm going to close with this verse and close with a personal prayer for you last week we talked about God uh, was going to destroy this earth and the heavens and create a new one this verse will tell us what He's going to do with it Revelation 21, verse 1. John the Revelator, he saw a vision. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They'll be his people, and God himself will be with them, and they'll hunt turkeys together. No, wait, I'm sorry. Ducks. No, I'm, I'm just making a little light there. God will be with them as their God. In other words, Adam and Eve had a little bit of this. In the cool of the day, God would walk with Adam and Eve, but then apparently he would leave. God wants to be with you forever. He says this. It gets better. He's going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. There's not going to be any more death. No mourning. No crying. No pain. No pain. No IRS agents, no mosquitoes, no divorces, no prisons. All these things are passed away, the Bible says. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. I'm telling you, friends, our Creator is going to recreate this world and He's created it to have fellowship with us. That He's not the man upstairs, but He's our Heavenly Father, and He wants to be with us. And the life you live right now, it's just pregame. The best is yet to come. Come on, give Jesus one more big hand today. Why don't you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet here. We're going to close with a prayer and a song. I, I think this last moment is probably the most important part of the message. The book of James tells us, don't just be hearers of the Word of God, but what? Be doers. So I wonder if in these last couple moments if you could just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this? What are you saying to me about how I relate to you as my Creator? First question I'll ask, though, is do you have a relationship with God? Now, why don't you look at me just a second because I, 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 I was, you know, a good kid. I was raised in church, but going to church doesn't make you a Christian. I found at 19 what makes you a Christian is when you surrender your life to Christ. Biblical language is being saved, being born again. But when you turn your life to Christ, when you surrender your life to Him, it's a turnaround from your own life and it's following Jesus. Christianity is not just theology in your head, but believing means following. Believing means that I believe that the Son of God loves me and He died on a cross for my sins. He took the place for my, He took the penalty for my sins. So on Judgment Day, I wouldn't have to be judged. But but Christ paid the price for me. and and, and he's gonna give me an eternal life with him I believe that and I'm gonna follow him And when I make a mistake in sin I'm I'm gonna get back up and I'm gonna acknowledge it I'm gonna ask forgiveness but I'm gonna follow him again you see I'm gonna live the rest of my life living for Jesus that's what it means to be a Christian and I wonder if you wanna make a start today I wonder if today is your day to say pastor I wanna profess my faith in Christ I believe that Jesus died for me and rose from the dead and, and I need a savior I need God's forgiveness. I need God to give me a brand new start in life. The way I live my life's not working. I want to get on God's perfect plan for my life. Maybe you're here today and it's the first time you've ever prayed like this. Or, or maybe you walked with Christ in the past and got away. If today is your day to get back with God, I want to pray with you. So if you're here today and you're, you, you, you feel a pulling, it's not me. That's God himself calling you as his child, causing you to make your step towards him. Jesus extended his hands on the cross. Now we've got to receive him as our Savior. And if I'm talking to you now and you need to get right with God, you want to put your life in Christ's hands, let us pray for you. Lift your hand real quickly. We want to pray today. Real quickly say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to get my life right with God. Anyone today? Pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you. Yeah, somewhere over here. Yeah, I see your two hands over here. God bless you. Give them a big hand. God bless you, girls. God bless you here in the front, honey, too. Somebody else say, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God. Listen, you that have gotten away from God, let's pray for you. Today's a day to come back to the Lord. You that lifted your hands, come on up here, girls, and let us pray for you. Come on, give them another big hand as they're coming. Bring your friend with you. Bring your friend with you. Come on, girls. We're going to pray as we put our trust in Christ. Come into the Lord. Somebody's going to meet you right here today. Anybody else that needs to be here, God bless you too. Give them a big hand as they're coming. Say, I need prayer today. I need to get my life right with God. I need God's forgiveness. I want to put my life right on God's track. I want to tell you today, the Bible says that angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. Angels are excited that people are making steps to God. And I want to tell you, God has a plan for your life. The world's what it's offered you, has been a big lie. It never gave you the happiness. Listen, I live there. I was out in it. It's ugly. It's brutal. They want you for what they can get from you. And when you don't have it anymore, they throw you away. And what they promised happiness ends up in pain. You know what? Jesus is able to change that. If you knew me when I was 19, you'd have no idea. Jesus is in the life-changing business. Let's all just slip our hands up to heaven right now and say, Lord, I want want you to change me because I'm helpless to change myself. I'm helpless to change myself. Let's all say it. I'm helpless to change myself. I need God's power to come in my life. Lord, I want you to forgive me. Come on, let's say this out loud. I I want you to forgive me. I want you to forgive me. I want you to wash my sins away. I want you to make me into a brand new person. Jesus, today I believe in you. And with your help, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Come on, tell him that. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Come in my life today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give him another big hand. I prayed just like that 30 something years ago and it set your course to God now I want you to go over here in just a second and I want to give you something to help you live the Christian life because the Christian life this is a start it's not like a movie when it's over you go home it's a start and we want to talk to you about reading your Bible about praying about Christian fellowship about being baptized in water all things that are going to help you live the life God, wants. God bless you just head right over here and somebody's going to help you Our prayer team is going to come to the front now and and anyone else that needs prayer for anything, they'll pray during this time. But I want you to think during this last song, am I giving God the respect and honor He's due? Maybe you need to make some adjustments. Am I on pathway that God has for my life? I want to surrender my life afresh to Him. Anything we'll pray. But our prayer team, come on up one last time. Pastor Nichols, sing this chorus through one time briefly and then dismiss. They're coming up for prayer. If you need it too, you come on up. We'll be honored to pray. I love you very much. God bless you. Now I was by upon my eye.